It is a great privilege, thank you, Will, to have um, such faithful elders and deacons in our church. One of the things that our elders and deacons do is to pray for all the members of our church regularly, to reach out to them, contact them, and um, we consider prayer to be a foundational part of our ministry at River Oaks. In fact, we're going to talk about prayer this morning. On the screen, you'll see before you something we call our vision frame. At the beginning of the year, I particularly like to um, touch on this because it's, I think, the best way to understand who we are as a church and where we anticipate being in the future. Our vision 2025 is about a page and a half document that paints a picture of what we pray and hope by God's grace our church will look like in the year 2025. And um, the vision frame, the, vi the vision itself is driven by discipleship, spiritual growth. That is, we're all pursuing to grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus, but it is then expressed in greater outreach, even beyond the walls of our church. But underlying this growth and this outreach is prayer. Prayer. Uh, the last paragraph of our Vision 2025 reads this way. Every person at River Oaks recognizes that spiritual growth and effective outreach are only accomplished through God's enabling power. And I think you'll see this paragraph on the screen. An increasing dependence upon the Holy Spirit through prayer characterizes the church and those who call River Oaks home. We express this dependence often by quoting a theme verse for the church, unless the Lord builds the house those who build it labor in vain. Prayer. Our vision is fueled by, supported by, prayer. Now, if you want to learn more about our whole vision and this vision frame, I would invite you to be part of our upcoming Discover River Oaks class. Those of you who are not yet members of our church, it's uh, the path to membership if you should choose to join, and that begins the first Sunday in February. Details are in your bulletin and on our website. Prayer, the fuel that drives what we hope to see God do in our church. If I look at the life of Jesus in Scripture, it's evident that he depended on prayer. You wonder, why would the Son of God need to depend upon prayer? Because that is the way God has chosen to work. And Jesus was setting a great example for us. My hope this month as we study prayer is that you and I will take a step farther, that we will move forward in our individual lives of prayer, that uh, at the end of this month, we would each find ourselves enjoying a greater confidence uh, and a more fulfilling and fruitful prayer life. So we're going to study prayer again this morning, and we're going to begin by looking at Jesus' most foundational teaching on prayer. It's found in the Gospel of Matthew chapter 6, and uh, this comes right in the middle of Jesus' best-known sermon ever preached, known as the Sermon on the Mount. As all those people were sitting out on the hillside that day, Jesus began to speak. And in the middle of his sermon, he said these words, And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites. For they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners that they may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. 
But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. Pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Now, just a very brief recap from last week. What we saw initially as we looked at Jesus, uh, very foundational, his most basic teaching on prayer. Number one, Jesus begins by telling us what not to do, and he says we should not pray to impress people, but to communicate with God. He says, don't be like these religious hypocrites, these scribes, these Pharisees, who like to be found on busy street corners and prominent places in the synagogues when the Jewish traditional hours of prayer come around so that they might be seen praying before others. They've received their reward. In other words, the only reward they'll get for this kind of praying is the own, their own ego boost, praying to impress others. Secondly, Jesus said we should not pray. Uh, God is not pleased, rather, with empty phrases. First tells us not to be like the religious hypocrites. Now he tells us not to be like the superstitious uh, non-religious people who... Uh, say many words and recite many things to try to get God to do what they, what they want God to do. Jesus says, don't be like that. And then Jesus tells us how to pray. He says, prayer that pleases God should go like this. Our Father who art in heaven. Jesus first begins with a relationship with our heavenly Father. And then he proceeds, hallowed be your name. Jesus brings together a relationship with our Heavenly Father and reverence for our Heavenly Father. Our Father in Heaven, relationship, hallowed be your name, reverence. It's a remarkable thing that in the whole Old Testament, God is rarely referred to as Father. I think about 14 times in the entire Old Testament, yet 70 times in the four Gospels, God is referred to as our Father, your Father. 17 times, I think, just in Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, 6, and 7. Jesus is bringing about a new way of relating to God through his own sacrifice on the cross, through the Holy Spirit bringing us as adopted sons and daughters before God, we can call him Abba, Father. And despite that beautiful, intimate relationship whereby we can stand before our Heavenly Father without fear of rejection or condemnation, we always retain great reverence for who He is. And so we say, Our Father, hallowed be Your name. That was the first <clears throat> section of the prayer we looked at last week. And today I'd like to move into um, the second section where Jesus teaches us now to pray for God's purposes, 
to come to pass on earth. We read again in Matthew 6 and verse 10, Jesus teaches us to pray this way. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now what does Jesus mean when he says your kingdom? Jesus talked a, a great deal about the, the kingdom of God. God's kingdom refers to his rule and his reign. Jesus, when he came to earth, said to those gathered around him, the kingdom of God is in your midst. The Apostle Paul said the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. So there's a very real sense in which the kingdom of God has come, but it has not come in all its fullness yet. And Jesus is saying pray for the ultimate coming of God's purposes, his kingdom come, and to pray your will be done, and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In heaven, God's will is done perfectly. There's no resistance to his will. There's no human sin. There's no adversary, the devil. Jesus says, pray your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now, it raises a question, at least for me, and I, one I expect many of you have pondered. Okay, if it's God's will, why do we need to pray about it? Isn't God's will just going to happen? Isn't God all-powerful? Isn't he omnipotent? Isn't he sovereign? Doesn't he rule? So if it's God's will, why does Jesus tell us to pray about it? It's one of those things that people often wonder about prayer. And I'd like to try to address that question this morning. The why of praying for God's will to be done. Particularly as it concerns praying for his will to be done in our own lives. What is happening when we pray, your kingdom come, your will be done? What's happening in us? when we pray for God's will to be done in our lives. I'd like to explore that briefly this morning and why it is so important for you as part of your life of prayer to pray for God's will to be done, God's kingdom to come, starting in your own life. I'd like to begin by looking at the example, the greatest example uh, of all, the example of Jesus himself. What's happening when we pray for God's will to be done, especially for his will to be done in our own lives? Number one, we align our own will with God's will. I'd like to read from Matthew chapter 26, the account of Jesus praying in the Garden of Gethsemane. Jesus went there to pray. It was his custom to go there and pray, but he went there on this occasion to pray prior to his arrest, his betrayal, his suffering, his crucifixion. And here's what happens. <clears throat> then Jesus went with them, that is his disciples, to a place called Gethsemane, and he said to his disciples, sit here while I go over there and pray. And taking with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, My soul is very sorrowful, even to death. Remain here and watch with me. And going a little farther, he fell on his face and prayed, saying, My father, 
if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. That is this cup of suffering. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. And he came to the disciples and found them sleeping. He said to Peter, so could you not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Again, for the second time, he went away and prayed, Father, if this cannot pass unless I drink it, your will be done. And again he came and found them sleeping, for their eyes were heavy. So leaving them again, he went away and prayed for the third time, saying the same words again, the same words again, not my will, your will be done. Then he came to the disciples, disciples and said to them, sleep and take your rest later on. See, the hour is at hand, and the Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us be going, my betrayer is at hand. Now, I thank God, put this account in Scripture to teach us. What is he teaching us? Jesus is aligning his will with the Father's will. Not my will, God. If there's any way but this way, let this cup of suffering pass. But if there's no other way but that I drink this cup, your will be done. Why is Jesus praying this way? He knew he was going to be crucified. We see two things here. Number one, we see the very real humanity of Jesus. Jesus didn't want to be alone at this time. He wanted his friends with him. He wanted his disciples to be there watching. He was deeply troubled. He was sorrowful. In, in the account given us in Luke, he, his sweat became as great drops of blood. He was agonizing in prayer. We see his real humanity. Jesus was fully God, 100% God. God the Son, the Son of God, the second person of the Trinity. Jesus was also a very real human being, born a flesh and blood baby. He had real human emotions. And we see that here, the real humanity of Jesus. Jesus had to be a real human being to take our place on the cross to pay our debt. And so he's suffering deeply here. The second thing to understand is that Jesus agonizing here, his, his, his prayer being so agonizing that his sweat becomes like great drops of blood, his sorrow, his desire not to have to go through this, was not because he was afraid of the physical pain of crucifixion. That is not what he was dreading at all. Jesus knew what was going to happen on the cross. He knew something would happen that his disciples did not understand. It had been prophesied in the scriptures. Isaiah the prophet, in one of the clearest presentations of the gospel in the Old Testament in Isaiah chapter 53 and verse 10 wrote these words, prophesied these words of God, yet it was the will of the Lord to crush him. He has put him to grief. Now those words are being spoken of the Messiah, Jesus. It was the will of the Lord to crush him. And then in verse 11, by his knowledge shall the righteous one referring to Jesus, the Messiah, my servant, make many to be accounted righteous because he will bear 
their iniquities. Isaiah had just a few verses earlier written, all we like sheep have gone astray, we've turned everyone to his own way. That is, we've lived a life of sin. And the Lord has laid on him, on Jesus, on the Messiah, on the cross, the iniquities of us all. That is what Jesus was agonizing over. He knew it was the will of God. It was the will of the Lord to crush him. He would bear their iniquities. He would take our place. He would die our death. He would be our substitute. Jesus knew it. What it must have been like for the one who knew no sin to bear this judgment on himself, we cannot fathom. But there on the cross he said, it's why he said this, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus, though in the garden, in his real humanity, knew what the word of God said, knew what the call of God was, said, Father, if there's any way, let the cup pass. Nevertheless, not my will, your will. Jesus is aligning his will with the will of the Father. Often you and I in life will be called to pray, God, not my will, your will be done. Maybe you're in a dating relationship with someone. You're excited about it. It's something you desire, but you know in your heart of hearts, this is not God's will. Maybe this person is not a, a believer. Maybe you're not similar places in your faith. And you have to say, God, not my will, your will be done. Maybe there's a career opportunity that you find very, very, very appealing, but in your heart of hearts you know it's not what God wants. Your counsel with your spouse, those who know you well, you sense it's not what God wants. You hate to give it up, but you pray, God, not my will, your will be done. Maybe you're doing something. Maybe there's a uh, maybe it's pornography use, maybe it's drug use, maybe it's a, a, some form of substance abuse. You're drawn to it, but you know you need to bring it to God and say, God, take this away, not my will, your will be done. When we pray that, we align our will with God's will. But something else happens as well. Something else happens. And that is that when we pray for God's will to be done like this, we are strengthened. We are actually strengthened for the doing of God's will. Now, I'd like to continue to look at Jesus' example, but look at Luke's account. Because in the Gospel of Luke, Luke adds some detail that we don't find in the Gospel of Matthew. Some people wonder about this, by the way, when they read the Gospels. They go, you know, I, I read one thing in Matthew... I read another thing in Luke. Why is that? It's a gift to us. Think of it this way. Suppose you want to learn all you can learn about a great, vast mountain. And so four different people hike up this gigantic, vast mountain on four different sides, and they each record detail. By reading all four accounts, you get a much more full picture of what that mountain is like. And it's that way with the Gospels. There's no untruth in any account. There's no contradiction. It works together to give us the fullest picture that God wants us to have of the life and ministry of Jesus in the Gospels. It's a great gift to us 
that we have Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. So in Luke, we read this about Jesus going to the Garden of Gethsemane. And he withdrew from them about a stone's throw and knelt down and prayed, saying, Father, if you're willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. He's aligning his will with the will of God. And what happens? There appeared to him an angel from heaven strengthening him. Well, we didn't read that in Matthew, so now we know more. When Jesus submits to the difficult will of God, not my will, your will be done, God strengthens him. He sends an angel to do it. And being in agony, he even prayed more earnestly, and his sweat became like great drops of blood falling down to the ground. And when he rose from prayer, he came to the disciples and found them sleeping for sorrow and said, Why are you sleeping? Rise and pray that you may not enter into temptation. Luke lets us know that when Jesus aligns his will with the will of the Father, not my will, thy will be done, God strengthens him. This is consistent with other teaching in the New Testament, that when you and I submit our will in the difficult things to the greater will of God, God provides us grace and strength to actually do his will. For example, the Apostle Peter writes these words, God opposes the proud, but he gives his grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God. When you humble yourself and say, God, you know my struggle, but I choose your will, not my will. Your will be done. May your will be done in my life. God gives his grace to your humbling of yourself in that way, to you as you humble yourself. I think of the Apostle Paul, who, like Jesus in the garden, prayed three times about something, three times the same way. In 2 Corinthians chapter 12, and verse 9, Paul explains that he has prayed three times for God to take something away from him, what he referred to as a thorn in the flesh, prayed that it would depart from him three different times. And here's what God said to Paul in 2 Corinthians 12 and verse 9, my grace, my grace is sufficient for you for my power is made perfect in weakness. Paul goes, therefore, I'll glory in my weakness that the power of Christ can rest upon me. In other words, Paul's prayer didn't get answered the way he wanted it to be answered, but he realized there was grace for him nevertheless from God. When we pray, God, your will be done, we align our will with the will of God and we, we receive grace for the doing of God's will. That's why in your heart of hearts, when you, you say, God, this is, this is not what I want. I don't want to give this up, but I recognize it's not what you want me to do. So I pray, not my will, your will be done. That there is strengthening grace imparted to you as you submit to God's will, as you humble yourself under God's mighty hand, as you humble yourself under the truth of his word, he strengthens you. But there's more than just praying for God's will to be done in our own lives, isn't there? We're called to pray for God's will to be done in, in all of life. And so we continue. When we pray, God, your kingdom come, your will be done, something else happens. And that is this. We have the privilege of partnership in God's work. 
we get the privilege of partnership in God's work. As we've seen before, when God saves us because of what Jesus did on the cross, he adopts us into his family. We can then call him our father in heaven. Abba, father. We're his children. We're fellow heirs with Jesus Christ. But there's even more. God then gives us a significant place, partnership even, in the family business. And I, I tend to think this way because I grew up in a, in a family of small business people. Uh, my, mom's, my mom's side, her father, my grandfather started a small business. And then later his son, my uncle, uh, carried on that business. Um, on my dad's side, my dad's father started a small business, and then my dad carried on that business. And I can remember in my first job after college here in Winston-Salem, I was working as a sales rep, my dad calling and telling me, he said, David, um, if you want to come back in the family business, there's, there's a place for you here. There always will be a place for you here. And I said, Dad, I... I Thank you. Uh, I, I'm really grateful for that. Um, but I really feel like God's calling me in another direction. And he understood and was very supportive of that. Why would I get an opportunity, though? I'm just some sales rep in Winston-Salem. Why would I have the opportunity to come back into a partnership place? Well, it was only because of who my dad was. And when you come to God through faith in Jesus, God is your heavenly father. And he not only adopts you into his family and makes you a fellow heir with Christ, he makes you part of the family business. And the family business is the coming of the kingdom of God, the doing of the will of God. The greatest thing in all of eternity and all of existence is the coming about of the kingdom of God. Wouldn't you want to be part of that? Don't you want to be part of that? We all do. And one of the ways God invites us to exercise our partnership in his work, there are many ways, giving, serving, but one of the key ways, the, the uh, often overlooked ways of being partners in God's work is through prayer, praying for the coming of God's kingdom and his will. And again, people ask, if it's God's will, why pray for it? Because God has chosen to include us in the process of the unfolding of his will. And he has chosen to use our prayers to do it. Here are just a few examples of that. Romans 15 you see on the screen. The apostle Paul's writing to the church and he says, I appeal to you brothers by our Lord Jesus Christ and by the love of the spirit to strive together with me in your prayers to God on my behalf. Paul is really beseeching the church to pray, even to strive in prayer that I may be delivered from the unbelievers in Judea, that my service for Jerusalem may be acceptable to the saints so that by God's will I may come to you with joy and be refreshed in your company. Is it God's will that these things be done in Paul, through Paul, for Paul, for the church? Yes. But Paul says, you've got to strive together with me in prayer for this to happen. Look at another passage here in 2 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 11. Paul says, you also must help us by prayer. 
so that many will give thanks on our behalf for the blessing granted us through the prayers of many. I bet many of our missionaries are thinking the same way right now. People in remote parts of North India, people in Pakistan where we have missionaries, people in the Middle East, life is very difficult for them in many of those places. And do you know what they ask for? I think I could say most of all, pray, 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 pray. They feel the spiritual pressure of the evil one. They feel the adversity, the difficulty of their circumstances. Things that are often challenging here in our culture, in our country, are, are magnified and multiplied in those other settings oftentimes for their missionaries. You must help us by prayer. In Philippians, Paul writes, I know that through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus, this will turn out for my deliverance. God's going to work by His Spirit, but He's going to use your prayers to bring it about. In Colossians 4 and verse 3, at the same time, pray for us that God may open to us a door for the Word to declare the mystery of Christ. Does God want to open a door for the teaching of His Word to declare the gospel? Of course He does. But Paul says, pray for it to come about. In 2 Thessalonians, brothers, pray for us that the word of the Lord may speed ahead and be honored. Is it God's will his word speed ahead and be honored? Of course it is. But Paul says, pray so it will happen. Your partnership in prayer is part of the kingdom work. It is necessary. The writer of Hebrews writes, pray for us. For we're sure we have a clear conscience desiring to act act honorably in all things. I urge you the more earnestly to do this that I may be restored to you the sooner. In other words, your prayers will make a difference. God enables us, and He allows us to partner with Him in prayer. So why do we pray? Your kingdom come, your will be done. Well, when we're praying for ourselves, we, we're aligning our will with God's will, and we're being strengthened for doing it. But more broadly, as we pray, we pray your will be done. We're partnering with God in the unfolding work of His will everywhere. So where do we pray? Where should I pray in my prayer life, uh, hopefully daily prayer life? Where should I pray for God's will to be done? Where? Well, start, I should start in my own life. In my own life. Because if I'm not willing for God's will to be done in my life, if I'm not willing to say, your will be done in me, not my will, but your will be done in my life. If I'm not willing to pray for God's will in my life, how can I effectively pray for God's will to be done in your life or in our church or in our nation or with our missionaries? There are numerous verses in the book of Psalms that, that uh, provide wonderful prayers for praying for the doing of God's will in our life should pray for the coming of God's will in my life. Secondly, not only in my own life, but in my home, family, relationships. My wife Beth and I try to pray together <coughs> every day, most days at least. We pray for God's will in our marriage. We pray for God's will in our children and now grandchildren's life and our extended family. And as we start praying this way, what we find is that our daily time of prayer it goes longer. There's a lot to pray about when we pray for the will of God to be done 
not only in our own lives or, or our family's lives, uh, our, our extended family's lives, our relationships, thirdly, in my church. Beth and I always try to pray for God's will and his work to move forward in our church, that our church have unity, that our church be encouraged, that God provide for us all that we need. In my school, in my workplace, some of you are students, uh, and you, you have an influence in your school. Pray for the power of God to come into the lives of the other students to work in your school so that you see a, a, a sweeping work of the Holy Spirit there. Uh, when I used to be a sales rep, sometimes after everybody would leave at the end of the day, I would walk around the, the office from desk to desk to desk and pray for the other people in our office. God puts us where he puts us oftentimes to partner with him in prayer. And then, of course, in our community, our nation, in, in our world, how we need prayer for our nation, how we need prayer for our world. Uh, the Apostle Paul says we're to, first of all, pray for kings, those in authority, in order that we might live quiet, godly, peaceful lives in all honesty in our nation. We're called to pray for national leaders. And it seems that, that life in a nation is to some degree dependent on the prayers of God's people. We're to pray, Lord, may your kingdom come, your will be done here on earth, in Malaysia and Indonesia and Africa, India, China. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. When you pray, you're entering into partnership with God. You're taking your role in the family business. You're helping participating in the bringing of the kingdom of God, the, the working out of the will of God on earth as it is in heaven. On this earth, there is resistance to the kingdom of God. Satan is here. Uh, the works of evil are here. Human sin is here. And we must pray for the coming of the kingdom of God in power. Finally, I want to point you to some resources on our website. Um, if you go to the, the resource section on our website, there's a section under there for prayer, and you will find a number of sample prayers that are formed from Scripture, um, prayers you can pray for your spiritual growth, for the will of God in your life, uh, just some models, some, some examples that will point, point you to there. Well, would you pray with me now? Father, thank you for your word. Would you strengthen us, strengthen your people through your word. Holy Spirit, make us a praying people. Make us a church that is prayer-fueled. Father, would you raise the level of prayer in our homes? For those in our church who are married, would you bring about more prayer in the relationship between husbands and wives? Would you bring about more prayer with our children, with our students? Father, may your kingdom come and will be done in our church. Encourage your people. Strengthen your people. Teach us to love to pray. Teach us to submit to your will, to be strengthened in doing your will, and to more fully grasp the high privilege of partnership in your work through prayer. We ask this 
in the holy name of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.